The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And welcome to the Flyers Talk podcast. You're listening to Jordan Hall and Katie Emmer bringing you analysis from the playoffs, from the Flyers, what we think, what we think moving forward. A lot of different things now, Jordan. Uh, the last time we talked, the, the Flyers just passed the Montreal Canadiens in six games in that first round, which we knew they could you know, clean up their play quite a bit. Uh, we had some concerns, but hey, you couldn't be mad about them getting past that first round. Then we see game one happen. Uh, they fall 4 nothing to the New York Islanders. The offense was a concern, that being said, in that Montreal series, and we didn't obviously see them get any offense um, last night. Overall concerns, Jordan. There, there's a, a you know an array of things we're going to get to later on in this podcast for our listeners, um, a lot of topics to touch on, but just your your reactions. We are, we are coming off of this game less than – the morning after, I'll, I'll put it at that. So it's still fresh. What do you? What did you think? My biggest concern, Katie, was the start to that game one for them. I, I'm, I just don't – you know, Claude Drew deemed it probably the worst period they've played since they've been in the bubble. That's obviously pretty uh, damning right there. But I just don't quite understand why they could come out that slow and look that outworked um, in the first period of a game one of a series. You, you think, a, you know, that's a time where you're going to come out uh, with a lot of jump and uh, looking like your best and looking like your freshest. They had just, you know, they hadn't played in two days. Uh, so I was just, I, that was my biggest concern. And not only just because obviously you don't want to ever start a game like that, but to me against an Islanders team, you can lose a game in the first period because if you allow them to take a lead, we know what they are going to do def- defensively. They're going to clog things up. They're going to tighten up the ice um, and really just kind of pack everyone inside and make it awfully difficult for you to score. So a first period, um, a bad first period is incredibly costly against an Islanders team like that because uh, if they grab that lead, uh, they're going to be tough to come back on, and we saw that. The Flyers expended so much energy in the second period just trying to tie the game up to make it one nothing or to make it 1-1, excuse me, that come the third period, uh, it looks like it almost wormed down a little bit. Um, so to me, that first period was really concerning. Uh, you're always looking at, at the good and bad, Katie, after that, you know, first round series victory. And the bad was that, yeah, they only scored 11 goals in that six game series victory. And you were wondering if that was going to kind of come back to rear its ugly head. And it, it did in game one. They are shut out for nothing. They struggle to score. And some people are really wondering if uh, they have enough offense to beat this team. Uh, do you think they do, Katie? And just what were your overall impressions of that game? Yeah, I mean, you talk about a lot of positives and negatives, and uh, you know me, Katie Ammer. I'm always the optimist looking at the bright side of things. I have no bright side after last night. I, I'm sure, that second period, 
Sure, you can be happy about that energy, that shift. It was a way different period than the first. And Jordan, you alluded to the first 20 minutes. Shots were 15 to four in favor um, of the, the New York Islanders. And of course, we see that you know, change in the second. Uh, then the shots were lopsided to the Flyers, 15 to seven. And you said it, you hit the nail on the head. You said it best when you said they just exerted so much energy trying to tie it up that you don't even want to be in that position to begin with. I will say, I think a lot of fans, if it weren't for Carter Hart in that first 20 minutes, I really do think that game could have been more than one nothing. And um, I felt like it, it felt like it was more than one nothing, but it was a good sort of problem to have going into the second like okay they're still in this but right it was just so hard to get back on the board no matter what if it's one goal in the first 20 or if it's four um that first 20 minutes is so important um against an islanders team like you mentioned such a you know barry trotz's defensive defense first style just they make things tight they don't give you a lot of room to breathe um and that really certainly was the case last night but yeah i mean going off of that you mentioned offense they after that first 20 minutes, you're depending on that. Okay, well, we can find something to get going. And this has been a never-ending topic, Jordan, these top five regular season goal scorers. And I know you can't put it all on them. You can't put it on one person. You can't maybe even put it on two. It has to be a full team effort. But, like, this is a huge concern. You have your top five regular season goal scorers. Out of those five, Kevin Hayes is the only one to net one goal so far in the playoffs. I mean, this is just – we saw Travis Konechny get so close. And, yes, I do feel like his game is trending upwards. Like, he's having those chances. But, I mean, Elaine Vigneault said it best in post game because he was asked, he's like, did you see Travis Konechny, you know, getting frustrated looking up after chances? And Elaine Vigneault's like, uh, frustration doesn't win you any games. Yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to get past that. And maybe that's just a rut. Flyers fans out there, maybe you guys are a little worried. I, I personally think if we're putting a positive twist on this, it just takes one goal for Travis Konechny. It just takes one goal for Claude Giroux to maybe feel it, it get going. You just got to break that seal and keep going. Um, and maybe that will be the case. But for now, like this is just building up more and more as a concern. I mean, if you go into game two and you still can't get anything going, right, I, I got it in the Montreal series. Carey Price isn't an easy goaltender, but like, hi, it's the playoffs. Like, this isn't going to be easy at all. And now you have the New York Islanders, Semyon Varlamov last night. Back-to-back -back shutouts for him now. I mean, this team is going to be a challenge, but any team's going to be a challenge in the playoffs. You need your offense going, and you need it going now, especially going into game two, Jordan. Indeed. And, you know, every team has a, a bad period from time to time. You're not going to play a perfect 60 minutes, you know, game in and game out. It's just not going to happen. But it's hard to justify – having your worst period in the bubble in that first period in game one. It's, you know, if they had a bad second period or a letdown maybe somewhat through the third, maybe you could somewhat understand it if they started well. But just to have that in the first period, yeah, I, I just don't think uh, there's an excuse for it. And then – Jordan, if, if I could add one more thing too on top of that, if you look around the league right now, when we talk about these top five goal scorers, successful teams have those guys scoring. Successful teams have – in. I mean, you can argue it's one game for the Flyers. They got past the first round, but even Kevin Hayes said that wasn't good enough. Like they need to, and it's so hard to get four wins. He said too in the playoffs, we know that, but you need your offense to get moving. And if you look around the league, the Dallas stars, even Miro Heskinen, uh, Pavelski, Radulov, Ben, they're all up in at least eight or more points. And then the Boston Bruins, of course, another example. Um, you can't even 
begin with them, with Marshawn and Pasternak and what they're able to do. And then you look at the Colorado Avalanche. Um, all of these teams, they have all of their top five guys getting going. Their offense is on fire. And that's, you know, I think that room for comfort that the Flyers really need to, to grasp onto right now because the more you go into this, I, I think it's just going to build up as a concern. Even if they do get past this round, you need those guys to be scoring. Yeah, you need your star players to play like star players in the playoffs, especially at this point in the playoffs. Uh, like you said, maybe you can get by with it in the first round where they don't have to be uh, perfect. But uh, at this point, there's only four teams left in each conference playing. And, yeah, you need star players playing like star players. And the fact is, Sean Couture hasn't scored a goal in 10 games in the playoffs. Travis Konechny hasn't scored a goal in 10 games in the playoffs. Claude Giroux hasn't scored a goal in 10 games in the playoffs. Um, for a while, we were kind of um, not making excuses, but we were kind of justifying it because they were playing decently well. Other guys were stepping up. But at this point – there wasn't anyone else stepping up in game one. And that's when you really needed offense. That's when you really needed your leaders to kind of lead the way in terms of goal production. And they were really nowhere to be found. Um, Travis Konechny's drought of 10 games, that's the longest of the season for him. And Sean Couturier, the 10 games, it's the longest of the season for him. So two of your top playmakers, two of your top go-to guys in terms of goal production – are enduring their longest droughts of the season at the same time. Then you add in Claude Giroux. Uh, it's just a perfect storm to be in the position that they're in. And, uh, you know, Claude Giroux said it. He said uh, top players need to play but like top players. I'm obviously one of them. Uh, we need to get going here. So he understands it, but um, you got to go out there and do it. Uh, and we look back at his playoff numbers. In his last 22 playoff games, which spans the last three playoffs, uh, runs for the Flyers. Uh, Claude Drew has one goal in 22 games. Uh, I, we understand he's not just a goal scorer. He's a playmaker, but one goal in 22 games, uh, I think he would know. He, he can do more and needs to do more. Well, Jordan, going back to my comment earlier, do you agree or disagree with me that, you know, it could just take one goal for him? I mean, even as a captain, a, a player of his pedigree, how mental this game is like do you think for him and the other guys the other top players it'll just take one goal I mean sort of use Kevin Hayes as an example he got his one goal we don't really see more but you can't put one player uh you know on the spotlight for this topic right now it's so many different players so for mm -hmm. all of them to maybe get going one game or, or in a series of games do you think that's what it will take for that confidence to to build I do, and especially with like a guy like Travis Konechny, I think he's infectious in the way he plays and the way he scores. Uh, obviously, he's an energizer guy, and whenever he scores, it seems like the whole team gets going, and you know he gets pumped up, and all of a sudden there's like a mojo to them. Um, so yeah, I think a guy like Travis Konechny, if he scores a goal, what it'll do for his confidence, but what it'll do for the Flyers too, is just as important. Um, and I, I can understand his frustration. We did see Travis Konechny visibly frustrated throughout that game because he had a lot of close calls, um, a lot of decent chances that just didn't go in. And right now he's starting to get frustrated. And I wonder, you know, this is his first really actual playoff run as an NHL player where he's expected to perform not only just in a series, but over an expanded period of games. Uh, he's only 23. And I think you're seeing what that can kind of do to you. He's, this is the first time he's really become a star player. He's an all-star. Um, there are expectations. He's not just a young guy kind of uh, 
kind of waiting in the wings. He, he is a star player expected to perform. And I think we're seeing for the first time him kind of trying to deal with that um, and not, maybe not particularly dealing with it the way people are expecting him to in terms of, hey, don't get frustrated. Uh, take it to the next play and, um, and go out and score a goal next time. Um, yeah. So I think some of the leaders in the Flyers room are going to maybe, you know, maybe voice that message to him and tell him, hey, stick with it. Keep going. We need you and you're going to be fine. But I do think um, a goal from run, one of those three players, Sean Couturier, Claude Drew, Travis Konechny, uh, one goal from one of those guys should, should relieve some pressure and get them going. I think we saw it with the power play when they finally got a goal um, after they started one for 28. Well, you know, they scored three that game. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be an infectious kind of get the ball rolling type of thing. But they have to start better, Katie. Don't you think I they agree. have to start better in game two? They don't. <laughs> Uh, all of a sudden, you could be in two nothing hole. Well, here's the thing, too. A good reminder for fans. I mean, if you want a little light in the darkness right now, the Flyers haven't lost back-to-back games since early January. I know the playoffs are different, but hey, they did it with Montreal. This team is able to respond to adversity. Um, that being Carter Hart, he, he's phenomenal. He looked he looked uh, well last night. Um, he was certainly tested early and often last night in Game One, but no, just. Overall, in that first-round series, too, they, they kept him in there. He was able to hold it down, um, of course, against the Canadians, but the whole team in general, the way they respond, I'll be looking for that tomorrow uh, in game two. But I think a player that we talk so much about as far as that response uh, topic is Sean Couturier during the regular season, how, uh, how much he made an impact after a loss or following you know, a tough game. We, we've talked so much about him and this topic of offense. And, you know, if we want to look at the defensive side of things, Jordan, that third period goal by J.G. Peugeot, um, of course, Couturier, there was, there was just things that last night, it just wasn't Couturier-like. And I think that after a game like that for little mishaps that, you know, we focus so much on offense. Like, he's in that pool of guys that need to get going. But Sean Couturier is also such a unique player when he's not scoring goals, when he's not um, – you know, making that offensive maybe push we want to see him or, or get those numbers we want to see him get, he still is making such an impact out there, and no one out there can say he's not. I mean, he's still doing things. Of course, we can argue the face-off uh, dot, what he's able to do there. Um, but just overall, his play, whenever he's on the ice, Jordan, he's, he's doing something. Last night was just not, not what we really uh, are used to seeing from Shaka Ture. Could you say that? I mean, especially on that J.G. Peugeot goal. It was just not uh, Couturier-like things, and hopefully we can see a response from him himself in game two. Yeah, he had a chance to break up that play, and he doesn't. The puck gets through him. Um, you're not going to see that much. And one thing we know about Sean Couturier is you, uh, seldom do you see him really string together consecutive bad performances. He's a yeah. human being uh, like the rest of his teammates. He um, is not perfect, and he will have a game like that sometimes. So, but one thing we know is he just doesn't do that very often in consecutive games. I expect him to be really good in game two because of not only how sound he is in the way he plays, but he's such a driven guy. We know how driven and motivated he is. Um, he, he, he will almost, he wants to be perfect. So when he's far from perfect, uh, you know, he's going to do his best to, to look perfect the next game out. So I expect a really good Sean Couturier in game two and game three. Uh, as we know, this is a back-to-back set. And, yeah, Katie, if there's a silver lining, we have seen this team respond. You know, obviously losses, especially a 4 nothing one in game one, open your eyes. But they have all the reason to, come, to be confident and all the reason to come out and say, hey, 
we know that game wasn't great, but uh, we believe in our guys to respond because they have. Uh, over their uh, after their last ten losses, after in games after their last ten losses, they are ten zero and zero, and they've outscored the opposition forty four to nineteen. So they've responded after their last wow. ten. As you said, Katie, that goes back to January, uh, where they have not lost consecutive games since January eighth. So uh, forty four to nineteen. Yeah, they're not only Hopefully beating teams in those games after a loss, but yeah, they're thoroughly outplaying teams in those games after a loss. So. Uh, I think game two will be telling. If they don't win this game when we're so accustomed to them coming back and playing well, uh, maybe that might be a bad sign that uh, this isn't quite the series for them. But we shall yeah. see. Um, yeah, and, you, you know, like we can maybe hope for offense. We can hope for a win, and you don't know what's going to happen. But I know one thing for sure, that when we were going into this series, um, Jordan, you and I both knew the Islanders were such a heavy and physical team, and that physicality – is certainly going to continue to be there, if not build up more and more throughout this series. I mean, the Islanders registered 34 hits last night. And if you want to get into Ross Johnston, how this guy's out in the lineup, 6'5", what is he, 235. Um, he was in for game five uh, in the series clincher for the Islanders over the Caps. This guy is is uh, is tough. I, I mean, that's the only way for me to put it. And um, this team in general, he's not the only one. All of them finishing checks. I mean, they're they're just everywhere out there. Um, I even thought Matt Martin looked like he was six eight on the ice last night, and I was like, he's only what six two, six three. I was like, I thought he looked huge in just the way that. And I know that's just a side topic, but in just the way he's playing, and this team is going to keep bringing it, and you can expect that certainly in game two as well. Yeah, and you saw what they did against the Panthers and the Capitals, like. Those two teams had falls in terms of goal prevention, so I wasn't surprised that the Islanders put up some goals against them. But those were two of the top, I believe, six offensive teams in the league in terms of goals. Washington, I believe, scored the second most goals in the regular season per game, and Florida scored the sixth most goals, I believe, per game in the regular season. And the Islanders held them combined to 1.67 goals per game. They know what they're doing defensively, and they have a coach – and Barry Trotz, who has won a Stanley Cup and has really instilled that. So it is worrisome that the Flyers didn't score any goals in game one and that they're already in a hole because we know what that team can do, the Islanders, when they have a lead, uh, not just a lead in a game, but a series lead. They know how to close games, close series out. They know how to really grind you out and make you frustrated. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating to a team or a player when – you know you have to score and you're not scoring. It starts to build in your head. Um, it starts to become a mind game just as it is physical. So, yeah, the Flyers have a tall task ahead of them. We knew they had a tall task ahead of them, but when you lose 4 nothing in game one, uh, it becomes that much taller of an order. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, if you wanted to see any changes, we've talked about James Van Reems like a bunch. He didn't play in game one, and it was definitely a healthy scratch because Nicholas Albe-Kubel came back in. We saw JVR. He was in warm-ups. So he was definitely scratched. That's the fourth game he's missed now, or the fourth game he sat in uh, in, these, in this tournament. Any changes you would like to see at forward on defense to, to try to get things going offensively? <clears throat> we're sure we're going to see adjustments probably from Elaine Vigneault. He's been known to do that throughout the playoffs. Um, any adjustments maybe specifically that you would like to see or – Nothing in nothing specifically. 
Here's the thing is I, I know that we can expect them, but as far as what they're going to be, it's like Elaine, you never know. I, I mean, I like, even with James Van Riemsdyk, like you're hoping for production. He doesn't bring it. You, you take him out again. You're hoping for production. He doesn't bring it. You take him out again. So like, how does that, at what point are you just like, Hey, let's hope it works this time. Like I, I even asked on post game after game one, I asked the guys like, do you remember when Jake, uh, Jake Voracek had to get going, Jordan, and Elaine Vigneault was like, oh, I'm just going to put him with Sean Couturier because good things happen when you put, yeah. you know, players with Sean Couturier. Like, uh, what can you do in this position? When Sean Couturier can't get going, like, it, we see Jake Voracek, of course, get going, and hopefully that will continue in game two. We saw that in the first round from him. But, I, I mean, I don't know what you can really do now. And the biggest answer that the guys gave me on the postgame show was like, do that. I mean, just keep doing it. Do what he did earlier in the season. You just got to keep switching things up, group different guys together. It's all about sort of like what's going to work in that moment. And it might not be working um, the way it did during the regular season or even the way it did in the first round. So I, I do think we can expect him um, to be doing something like that. And yes, I mean, if we're talking specific changes, I think seeing James Van Reems like back in the lineup, this is another guy that's among your top five regular season goal scorers that certainly needs to get going. Um, but as far as just when he's in there and, and doesn't make that impact, like, I, I don't know, maybe he's not thinking in, in those terms, but just overall, the one change would, would be James Van Reems. Like I also want to see Robert Haig uh, come back. I, I think Haig has the phys phys uh, physicality. Um, he, I believe we've mentioned it on this podcast, just plays like, his roster spot is, is so uncertain and plays. He just puts everything out there every single night. And that sort of passion and that drive from a player right now is so needed. And not that the other guys aren't doing that, but there's just something so unique about Robert Haig and, and what he brings to that blue liner group when he's out there that I would like to see him back in for game two, especially against this physical team. Um, that being the Islanders. But those would be kind of my two changes as far as like who you put James Van Riemsdyk uh, with I mean, you know what, Jordan, that is a potion that I do not want to be uh, messing with at the moment because we always do this and I feel like I am always so wrong because Elaine Vigneault, they have their own little, they see so many things we don't uh, in those skates specifically um, in, in anything that they do, just going off of style, like, oh, this might work, this might work. What I will say is that I think for James Van Riemsdyk to get going, Jordan, he needs to, he needs to have – he needs to have more minutes on the ice that would be, you know, not the bottom six sort of minutes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like from what we've seen, like the top, you know, line or even the second line is where we need to see him in order to have production. Will Elaine Vigneault do that? I don't know. Yeah. So what about you? No, and I like those changes. I could not agree more. I, I would like to see JVR in the lineup. Two-time 30-goal scorer. He was in your top five in terms of goal production during the year. And right now you need goal scoring. Uh, so I'd like to see him in there and, yeah, and, and in a decent spot, not playing 11, 11 and a half minutes a game um, on a third or fourth line. And maybe, you know, on the third line I'd be okay with, but maybe, yeah, better minutes, better situation for him to see if he can get himself going and get you going. And I would like to see Robert Haig as well. Um, I, I would like to see him back in there um, in the lineup, especially after a game like that. Uh, for me, maybe I would kind of like to see the line of um, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, and Kevin Hayes back together. Uh, we saw how dynamic and how clutch that, that line was during the round robin, and obviously it was together to start the first round series, but they just had this innate chemistry together, 
And there's two guys that you really want to get going again. One being Travis Konechny, who we've already touched on. He has not scored a goal um, in 10 games in this playoffs. And he's a guy you want to get going. Why not get him back with Lawton and Kevin Hayes, two guys that he has really clicked with in terms of playmaking and chemistry. And then Scott Lawton hasn't been very good uh, ever since the end of the round robin. He was obviously a stud in the round robin, but uh, just didn't look like himself against the Canadians and just didn't look like himself uh, in game one against the Islanders. Uh, why not get him back with Kevin Hayes, um, a guy he has really clicked with? Uh, they always seem to know where each other uh, are on the ice. Um, I would really like to see that group together. I think Kevin Hayes usually brings out the best in his two line mates. I think he could really spark two important players, Scott Lawton, Travis Konechny. I would love to see that second line back together. Um, I don't know how that impacts the rest of the lines, um, but I would really like to see that. That would be one thing I would do. But we definitely know, Katie, we can debate it all we want, but we definitely know Elaine Vigneault mm -hmm. is going to make some adjustments. He's going to make some changes. Uh, they're going to, you know, he, the playoffs are a game-to-game -game adjustment type of deal, and uh, he will definitely make them. And, I mean, I mean, all jokes aside, like you could just put Connor Bunneman on the first line for all we know. Like, yeah, you know, who, <laughs> honestly, who knows? nobody knows. And isn't that just so fun for us? We just we love this. It's not stressful at all. You know, yep. as far as our planning purposes for the game, yep. we don't need to know the lineup because the coaches don't need to give it to us in the bubble right away. It's just so fun. So it fun. is. And I think I saw someone, too, I don't know who it was, but um, it was a really good point. Someone tweeted, like, I don't care who's in the lineup. They just got to go out and play well. Um, yeah. Go out and want it. And that's true. Like, who cares who's playing with who at the end of the day? You're all hockey players. You're all NHL players. Go out and play hard and uh, try to make plays with whoever you're playing with. Try to score goals, do the right things. Um, I don't think the Flyers have any defensive issues. Uh, can they play better defensively? Sure. Uh, but they were really in that game basically midway through the third period. Um, they were in that game, and the, the biggest issue was they couldn't find the back of the net. Um, yeah. And I think Brian Boucher had it, said it on the broadcast. He said it very well that the Islanders are a quick strike team, and they had a couple quick strike goals in the third period that kind of suddenly just turned the game upside down and made it look a lot worse than it was. But – um, yeah. The Flyers have all the reason to believe they can bounce back. And, Katie, they're going to have to do it uh, in a back-to-back -back set. Uh, game two and game three is a back-to-back. -back. Interestingly, the Islanders were tied with three other teams for playing the fewest back-to-backs during the regular season, whereas the Flyers, as we know, were one of the teams that played the most. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. I believe I am almost positive, um, and actually I'm pretty positive that the Islanders played 16 games over a back-to-back -back sets. Uh, the Flyers played 26. So they played 10 more games over back-to-back -back sets. Jordan with the stats. Yes. So maybe they're wow. more awesome to playing back-to-backs. Maybe, maybe that'll come back to Bucky. Jordan's saying the Flyers have an advantage, guys, just to yes. summarize it. <laughs> don't worry. So, uh, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I don't doubt that uh, Carter Hart's going to play both those games. He will play both yeah. those games. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, no, uh, I do love that stat. That was great. I mean, it's so true that back-to-backs are so tough. The Flyers have been faced with so many of them throughout the regular season. Trust me, you and I covering this team, we will not forget. Back-to-backs um, yeah. are, uh, are something different, of course. But, I mean, in the playoffs, just, just with the Montreal Canadiens, we saw this. And, and here, this could be an advantage, um, just having that experience and 
um, you know, yeah, we're talking so much about lineup changes, whatever, but yeah, what we can expect is that Carter Hart's going to continue to be between the pipes. He had 25 saves, saves on 28 shots last night. I mean, overall, this guy has been bailing out his team in the rest. So yeah, we see Andy Green, um, and good for him, by the way, at his age, putting up his yep. first uh, playoff goal this season. I, I feel like on that goal, I didn't see too much of a screen. Maybe there was a little bit of a screen, but it, it looked like maybe a shot Carter could have stopped there. But at the same time, it, you saw him respond the rest of that period. So I have no concern. I mean, he was tested so much more. It was just, as I mentioned, the shot count after that first 20 minutes. Like, and fans, I'm sure, have seen on Twitter the, the highlight saves that he had throughout the rest of that game. Um, were Carter Hart playoff saves that we saw in the first round. And if, if anything, I feel like his game is trending upward just when he's tested so much more. And hopefully, you know, that solid nature will continue, of course, the, with the exception of that third period falling apart for the whole team. It wasn't on Carter. But um, we can't expect to see him, yes, certainly in for game two. Um, I think you keep him in there. Uh, Carter's one of the most – I would say consistent forces for you at this point. And we know how important it is to be riding your one goaltender, trust in your one goaltender. Um, and yeah, I, I think that if anything, I feel like I have no concern about Carter. Is that weird? Like, like yeah. you're concerned, but also I'm more concerned about the play in front of him. And I know that he's going to hold it down at the same time. Yeah. I think if anything, he's like the least of flyers concern. Flyers. Yeah. Concerns. He really is. Uh, like you said, that first period goal, maybe he could have stopped it. It wasn't, an, it wasn't like a glaringly bad goal. But really, he, that, that first period could have easily been maybe like 3 nothing, 2 nothing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, um, we said that. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it was, but it was like, oh, thank goodness. It's one exactly. nothing. Like, it could have been way worse. Yeah, after that first period, you, you felt like the Flyers were down 3 nothing, and you were like, what the heck just happened? In reality, it was a one nothing game, and they had a chance to come out in the second period and tie the game with, with, with just one goal. And that was because of Carter Hart. Um, so, no, no worries about him. I will find it interesting to see how Semyon Varlamov fares in a p potential back-to-back. -back. As we know, he's older. He's 32 years old. Um, that would be, at that point, three games in four days for him. Um, I'm, not I'm not trying to make excuses about age, you know, difference, but uh, Carter Hart is 10 years younger. Maybe his body's a little uh, younger and more accustomed or more fit to play three games in four days, whereas – Semyon Varlamov, who knows? Maybe 32 yeah. years old, he's older. Um, he's and and on, that, on that topic too, Jordan, I mean, you're talking about age. Also the experience. Carter's never even experienced a regular playoff. Mm -hmm. and, and you have Varlamov that, that's in this position that's been in the playoffs before of his age, a lot of these different guys. That's where I think youth also helps you out as well uh, because they don't, know, they don't know any different. They're just going into this uh, thinking this is the regular. And, right. yeah, I love that point too, so – yeah, so maybe, you know, we'll see. I, I, and I definitely looked it up. Semyon Varamov uh, only played once on no day's rest, and it was in relief duty. I think he played only like a few minutes in a game where he came in late uh, in relief duty. So, you know, throughout the year, just like Carter Hart didn't, uh, none of them, I, neither of them, excuse me, neither of them have uh, played much at all in, uh, on no day's rest. Uh, we know Carter Hart just did it last series, um, and we'll see, obviously, if Varlamov can do it at his age. Um, in these circumstances. So that, I think will be something to, to look at. Um, I think Varlamov's really good, but I also think he's a, a product of a really good um, defensive-minded team. I think, yeah. he, I think he's a really good goalie. I do. Uh, but I think, obviously, he gets terrific play in front of him 
whether uh, it's his team dictating pace or whether it's his team playing really well in the defensive zone. They do, they do both. They play well in all three zones, uh, and it certainly helps out their goalie. Uh, but game one, 4 nothing. Uh, and it, it's going to lead to a very telling game two, Katie, because obviously we know how game two can really shift the series. Uh, the Flyers come back and they respond and they tie it up and all of a sudden uh, it's all even again, or they're going to be in a really, really scary hole against a team that you don't want to fall behind. Don't you just love the playoffs? Don't you just love this stress? I yes. mean, <laughs> all I got to say is it ain't over. We got yeah. one game, um, and like you said, Jordan, <laughs> different things could happen here but we will certainly be breaking that down when it happens right now, one game at a time. Uh, you have your, your, you know, of course the four, one slap in the, or four, nothing. Wow. Four, nothing slap in the face after game one. Um, and I think by the way, the flyers respond to these sort of situations, I, I, I feel like we might be seeing a, a better performance here in game two, but we certainly will find out. And as always, for our listeners, we certainly will be bringing you the breakdown of that when it happens. But two games coming up here back-to-back, Jordan. Should be uh, fun? Question mark? Question mark? Uh, <laughs> Katie, can you remind uh, our Flyers fans where and when they oh, look at you. live? Well, first, I got to give, because uh, you've been on me for this, so everyone c- yes. continue to check out Jordan Hall's articles on uh, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com and the My Teams app. Um, secondly, yes, game two will be a 3 p.m. puck drop, and we will be having a pre- and post-game live for you starting at 2 p.m. Our coverage for pre-game, one hour on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and then um, following the game, it's a big reminder for those fans, yes, we don't have the game on our network, but make sure to tune back because we'll always have post-game. Um, you want your home, home team broadcast, you know, breaking down your home team. So uh, tune on back to us. We'll have that going all throughout this round. So just a big reminder. But specifically, yes, game two, we go live at 2 p.m. Love it, Katie Emmer. Yes, catch every fan. Seriously, catch out pre and post. And post game is great to flip right back to because obviously you get great analysis from Katie, Chris Terrian, and the crew. Uh, and you get all the post game. And some good laughs occasionally. And some good laughs. So, yeah, check out post game live after the game. Uh, And we'll have a lot more to talk about on Flyers Talk Podcast next time we talk to you uh, after this back-to-back. But Kitty Emmer, thank you as always. Our podcast producer, Ben Barry, thank you as well. Uh, Flyers fans, this is your latest Flyers Talk Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.